This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined once again by Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. We're going to jump right in in just a minute. Before we do that, you can go to practicalshepherding.com and you can uh, go to, the, to uh, the donate page and leave a financial gift if we've been a help to you in any way or this ministry has. Uh, we've got some exciting things happening, but we need more funds to be able to do the projects that we're being asked to do. Book translations, stuff with the Shepherd's House, all kinds of exciting things happening. So you can help us by doing that. Uh, also, if we can help you in some way, you can go to the contact page and let us know how we can help you. If you have a topic from the podcast you want us to tackle, you can go there as well and just list that that topic you want us to try to tackle for the podcast. So whatever it is, whatever way we can help you, please uh, let us serve you in any way we we can. We want to jump right into topic, and this is this is a good topic for us to talk about. It was it's another one that. We're wanting to tackle based on some of the feedback we got on social media. When we asked you, the listener, what topics you want us to cover, we had some that mentioned sermon prep. You know, this is kind of important, at least Mm. in our circles for sure, Jim. And guys asking about how to prepare a sermon or how how do we think about preparing a sermon. So we kind of just want to have a simple, practical episode in thinking through sermon prep. So, especially those of you who are who are preachers listening to this, who especially those preparing sermons every week, uh, certainly have your own pr- preparation in in mind as we talk about this. But Jim, just biblically, how do we want to first think about this idea of the labor of preaching, writing sermons, and how we need to go about doing that? Yeah, so I think Brian, we need to recognize that this is a a chief aspect, perhaps the number one aspect of our yeah, arguably, of yeah. our ministry. If if we are in full time ministry, if we are some use the language of senior pastors, but if you know if, if we are a lead pastor, preaching pastor, whatever, uh, that this is what our a big part of what our calling and our labor. And for some, this is this is why they pay you because uh, the the scriptures talk about those who labor in the word and in doctrine, yeah. and, and uh, there are references to those who work hard uh, at preaching. Uh, there are references to uh, again hard labor, um, cutting a straight course in God's word, studying to show ourselves approved, preaching the word in season, out of season, mm-hmm. uh, reproving, exhorting with all long suffering. We're told in the scriptures to preach in such a way that we can preach with an authority that that no one should despise us uh, as as we do so. Uh, so that says a lot to me about you know certain things that go into what we're doing and why we're doing it. This is this is how we fulfill our Lord's uh, edict to feed and to shepherd his people primarily. It's by feeding them the riches of God's word. Yeah, that's good. That's a good setup and I think we just let's let's kind of try to hit some different points of of conversation about preaching that a lot of guys like to talk about just to hear different views around. Let's first just talk about prep. So, kind of just give a snapshot Jim, of when you're preparing a sermon, you're in a series, you're preaching a new sermon every week. Uh, another reason we want to have this conversation, by the way, I'll go ahead and put it out there, is there's been a lot of talk in recent days about people who don't write their own sermons. So <laughs> we want to be on record to say, uh, and I'll, I, I, I know you are as well, but I, I want to be on record to say, I think this is a really big deal. I've been in ministry long enough to remember, you know, in the 90s when, you know, 
uh, when there there are certain people who are encouraging the internet showed up people were encouraged just preach my sermons you know and and take them and use them and that's kind of a lot of where it started at least from a from a, i think a a broad sense of people preaching other people's sermons although obviously that's been going on before then but in recent days it's come up again and i i think part of the calling of a of a pat preacher is that you are able to write your own sermon i know that's a really obvious comment to make <laughs> In this room with us, anyways, but I want to be able to right. state it for the record that that's just not a good. That's just not the ideal. Like I think it's a requirement to be able to write your own sermons and to be able to do it in six days, or you probably shouldn't be preaching every week. Okay, so that, I first want to put that out there of of making sure that we are coming from the premise of you should be writing your own sermons when you're preparing. So we want to talk about the prep, but I, I feel I felt the need to at okay, least yeah. highlight that. Maybe not was that important to you, but in some of my circles, Jim, I, I, understand. I needed to be able to I, highlight I, that. I, okay? I might not have thought about yeah, it. So, uh, um, so, you're, so you write your own sermon every week. You don't have research assistants doing research for you. Uh, I, I don't. So, I don't. So what and, does your prep look like when you're writing yeah, a sermon? Yeah, and so it's a little different than if I'm doing one, two, or three, because I, I have done as many as three. Okay, talk, uh, about, three talk new, about that. Three, three different unique ministries Which, in a week. That so sounds that, insane, so by the way, but go ahead. So that means you yeah. have to... I have to you know, determine, all right, what amount of time, what amount of time do I put into each so that? All right, so I need to begin with what are my goals? All right, so my goals in preaching. So number one, is I've, I have three primary goals in preaching. I have three, three audiences that determine my goals. So very quickly, I preach in the sight of God in Christ. So I'm preaching, I'm preaching before God. So that means I need to ensure that what I am preaching is accurate and, uh, and faithful. And that is, I felt like that if the Lord has shown me something in my study that is that will be helpful, that and can maybe convicting, or, or confrontational, that if it's in the text, I'm going to preach it because it's in the text, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to fear the faces of men. So if I know I'm going to give an account, and that's what First uh, Timothy four, we pre, you know I, I exhort you before God and He, you know, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearance, preach the word. So that's an awesome reality that informs me. I have to do my homework. I, I can't just wing it. I shouldn't just wing it. And I want to make sure that because God is listening to what I'm saying, look, I, I could fool the people. They might think, oh, that was really good, but I didn't do the work, you know, whatever. So I have to know that. Yeah. Secondly, I'm preaching to a flock of God's people. And generally that means I have the confidence that they want to be fed, they want to be edified. In order for that to happen, I have to be clear and understandable. Mm-hmm. I ought to have a good roadmap that, it, that they are able to follow. And so that means simplicity and clarity. Uh, what one old guy called perspicuity of form and structure. That is a clarity of form and structure. Yeah. That demands that. So uh, you know, to illustrate, to be able to break down how much of the word, you know, of, of the word that I'm bringing. And then thirdly, that there are unconverted people there. So that means I, I want to try to find some way in that ministry uh, to bring Christ in and the gospel in. Mm. Uh, you know. It, I, there may be times when I am so focused on the saints that that's going to be not going to be as obvious. But as much as I can, I want to be mindful. So those three things compel me uh, in regard to uh, several of those things. Do my homework, clarity, gospel focus. Mm-hmm. 
So those are just a few things. I, I, I know I, I could go back and talk about more practical steps, but those are some things that are uh, really important to me. That's good. I, I think starting at the uh, starting at the prep in regard to knowing what your aim is is important. I'd love for you to talk about though. There are guys that uh, you you said it's something interesting that I think it's important for people to think through. You got three sermons versus one sermon. Yeah, that changes your prep. Yes, and I think that's a, I really appreciate you saying that, and I think it's important for everybody to hear because I get I hear from guys all the time, especially younger guys that. Uh, are really learning to preach still is they think I got to have this to make a sermon. Right. And it's this many hours. It's this much time. It's this much, you know, quiet. It's this much whatever. And so there's no way I could do three sermons in a week. Yeah. I can't put 40 hours into, th- I can't put 40 hours into, th- that's 120 hours. But I just want to, do- but I, and I, you, I know you've been preaching 40 years, but I just want to affirm that, uh, I think that's really helpful for you to say in a, and to put a category in people's minds who are listening to this, because I think a lot of people don't have that. They think I gotta if I'm gonna write one sermon, it's gonna take me this long to be faithful, right? Like, and and I just want to push back on that. Write your own sermons, but realize you got this much time to write a sermon. Be as faithful as you can with right. with the, the time, time allotted, with the time you have. Exactly, I, because that's something a lot of people that they don't think like. That. Again, a lot of the guys listening to this are bivocational yeah. or trivocational. I heard I heard an expression today: multivocational. Some are multi. You were used to be multivocational. I was trivocational. Technically. Tri, at least yeah, that's tri- true. No, you were more than that. I was trivocational, but I get to be all of those ministry. But it was three three jobs for sure. Yeah, so. but you did you did piano lessons, uh, tennis oh, lessons, martial arts stuff, lessons. You're going to count all that Brian, stuff, Brian. You, you were a Renaissance man. <laughs> Amazing. That's a different podcast. Jim. Yeah, keep, all right. Keep going, but, right? But, but anyway, I'm just puffing you up here. Um, but a guy like that, you know, listen, that, that some guys might be able to have 40 hours of preparation time in a week. Some guys might be able to do that. But yeah. but to do that, sometimes you might be neglecting shepherding the flock and meeting with people and, and other things. But some guys only have maybe 10 hours in a given week in mm-hmm. order to, to do a sermon. Right. A sermon that can be very good and accurate. Right. And, and uh, you've, you've done your homework, which means you know what the words mean, you know what they say, you're, you're not, uh, you know, and, and you've had some time to maybe, you know, go through some commentaries and some things like that, you know, part of that. Uh, and when we say write your own sermon, for some that means a manuscript, for some that means a fairly thorough outline, for some... Uh, that means perhaps a sketchy, a rather sketchy outline, or, or a very simple outline, mm-hmm. or a couple of three by five cards. So writing your own, but you have done your own work, and 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 I need to explain what I mean by that. I had a, I met with a young preacher this week, a guy who's just starting to preach, and he had some confusion about what do I mean by your own work, and and so like you know, so he was saying like, well, when you use a Greek lexicon, is that your own work, yeah. you know, or when you use Greek helps or Hebrew helps or a um, an Old Testament introduction or a New Testament, is that your own work? And I, and I want to say, I, I, I think, yeah, that does fall under the category as long as you're not taking credit for something that you didn't write. Um, what, but, what about you, what about when when do you use commentaries and how much? Okay. so that, That's right, usually let, so, where the rub is, by the right, way, is, right, right. is where you maybe attribute your own works from somebody else. So when else. I say you do your own work, I mean, that is that means, so you're looking at the text yourself. You begin with the text. So you have to ask yourself a couple of questions. What text and how much of the text? So I'm preaching through Hebrews now. So 
I'm at a section in Hebrews right now. So I did I did Hebrews two uh, sixteen last week. I'm doing Hebrews two seventeen this week, and then that when I get I'm going to be gone for a couple of weeks. I'll be doing two, Hebrews two eighteen. I had a guy that was he visited the church. It was the second or third time that he couldn't believe. He looked at the verse and he thought, "How in the world is this guy going to do forty minutes on one verse?" Mm-hmm. He'd not been to a church like this where anybody's anybody's going to do that. Now sometimes uh, sometimes I'll preach more than I mean I, I, it might be ten verses. It depends. When I was preaching through Deuteronomy. Sometimes it was eight verses, nine verses, ten verses. Mm-hmm. When I was preaching through Job. Sometimes I'd, I'd preach through a whole chapter. So you have to decide what text and how much of the text. So that's yeah. your first. That's your first. Yeah, thing. that's good. Um, and we've talked about that in the past. We did a podcast on what book of the Bible should I preach on and what might what yeah. might lead you to that. But again, so you have to determine what, what text, how much of the text. Some of that's going to determine how long do you preach. So if you preach 30 minutes, you might not want to do 15 verses. If you yeah. preach for an hour, generally 50 minutes, 45, 50 minutes, you might be able to take a larger chunk. But you need to be able to, to look at that text and say, okay, given the time frame in which I preach, whether it's 25, 30, 35, 45, I'm generally a 45 to 55 minute preacher. And you're and you're preparing your sermon knowing up front how long you're planning to preach. Exactly. So I, sometimes I'll realize, all right, this is going to be longer. So I used to use the joke, I'd say, okay, listen, I've got rollover minutes, you know, because <laughs> I, I preached just 40 minutes the week before, 35 minutes. So I, so I could carry my minutes over to my next yeah. sermon. Uh, and then, but other times, I want to be clear about this too, because what I want to do is preach the text. If I can preach that text in 35 minutes, I don't feel, I don't feel like I have been unfaithful. I used to think that faithful preaching was 55 minutes to an hour. Oh, okay. So I had kind of, that, that was my model. It was modeled for me from the time I was 14 onward and the, now, the preachers I heard, and it was kind of like a, a badge of honor that we could preach for an hour and people would listen to us. And I realized once that I was stuffing a sermon to make it longer. Interesting. That I had gotten to what I wanted to say, and I thought, oh, this is only going to be about 35 minutes. I, I need to find a way to get me 10 more minutes. And I thought, what am I doing? So what made you change? That's an interesting point. Well, it was, it was kind of an epiphany. It was, okay. it was at that moment. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, Realizing may, maybe actually preaching this in 35 minutes is actually is it right best I, right exactly yeah, yeah, because that was what i had that yeah. was what was in my heart for that text to bring yeah, that's good so i think that's that's it but, if, if it's going to be much longer than that if it's going to be you know if you realize i've got three hours of material well we just don't live in that day anymore and you might say, okay good i've got three sermons now yeah but i think you need you need to plan with the thought of what is my What's my church used to? What is my gift? Because some guys don't have the gift to be able to preach 45 minutes or more. Agreed. Some guys have a 40-minute gift, and that, that's your window. And, 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 and you, you have go, to know that about yourself. And you have to be honest I'll, about yourself. What your gifts are, and yeah. And better that somebody would say, I wish you had gone on than you went five minutes too far. That's a really important point, because I, I see a lot of guys who kind of had the same conviction you did for a long time. They Unless I preach like 55 minutes, I'm not being faithful. But the pro- one of the many problems, and Alistair Begg is famous as saying this, at least in that when I had heard it, that he's he's famous to saying, you know, you think you have to preach fifty five minutes to be faithful, but but you may not be gifted enough to preach fifty five minutes. You may be gifted enough to preach thirty minutes. So what are you putting these people through by trying to preach exactly. fifty five minutes every time? Right, as, as the saying goes, you know, well Spurgeon, well you're not Spurgeon. You're, no, you're probably you're, you're probably not Spurgeon. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't even Spurgeon. You know, but you know he. 
Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, maybe there, there may have been some duds in there. But anyway, so you need to know, so what am I going to preach? How much of the text am I going to preach? And some of that's going to depend upon how long it's going to take you yep. to do it. Yep. That's good. So that's the first thing. You have to determine what's my limit. I'm going to go to this verse uh, and, and you know, so whether I'm going to do one verse, I'm going to do two verses, three verses. Hebrews right now, I'm probably not going to go more than three or four verses on and most of it. I don't know how I'm going to handle chapter 11 yet, but I've got a ways to go. I yet. love Hebrews, mm-hmm. by the way. I know you did. You uh, preached yeah. the Hebrews. You wrote a little book on it, yeah. and I wrote a little blurb for that. Was one of the long, long ago. time. That was a long, long, was a long time, time ago. ago. Um, but uh, so that's the first thing for me is how much of the text, and then it's going to get into. Um, I, so then I have to do what I, what I would call my spade work, and, and that means I'm going to be looking at uh, if it's New Testament, I'm going to look at the Greek. If it's Old Testament, I'm going to look at the Hebrew. Now, for me, this looks different now than it did when I first started. When I first started, what that looked like, if I were preaching Hebrews 2.17, I would get out my Greek New Testament, and I would have a, a, a legal pad, and I would write down the entirety of the verse from the Greek, I would have it all written down, I would, you know, word for word out, and then I would, you know, go through the declension of everything, or you know, every word, what 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 its root word, what what is meaning, and I have it all scratched out. I can now do that in a matter of minutes with a cursor on my computer yeah, screen. Right, just time and, helps you be able to and do it. Faster, I don't, yeah. I don't feel I'm cheating by doing that because my goal is to be faithful. Yeah. So I'll go back. So I, I this past week. Uh, that meant that uh, I preached the sermon differently because there was a word in Hebrews 2.16 translated in most translations as help or aid. Um, he, he, he doesn't come to the aid of angels. He comes to the aid of the seed of Abraham. Mm-hmm. But you go through the word there. The word there is a word. It's, it's epilumbano. And epilumbano is used 19 times in the New Testament. It never means help or aid. It means to take, lay hold of, seize, or capture. Yeah. And so you're looking and go, okay, well, certain translations, almost all translations have it one way. So I, my initial, so my initial thing is English. I'm, so I'm meditating on the English ahead of time. I know the next verse, thinking about it, thinking about it, praying about it, chewing on it. Well, then you do your Greek work, and sometimes it's like, okay, I've got here, this is, there seems to be a discrepancy. Yeah. And, and so you're trying to do that spade work in order to be as faithful yeah. as you can uh, to the text. So that's your, that's my next step is okay. to try to determine the meaning of the words, how those words are used in context, how they're used in the rest of the new Testament, etc. I have Bible aids. I use an, I use an older program. It's not used anymore called Bible works. A lot of guys have something like Logos or other things. Most guys have some availability to be able to relatively quickly determine these are what the words are. This is how they're used in the book. This is how they're used by the author. And this is how they're used in the rest of the New Testament. So, so I want to move to application in a minute. Before we do that, though, I, I want to just give one tidbit about writing a sermon in, in regard to the work you're describing. And that is do a certain amount of work. And then I found it helpful to step away. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, spend some time with the with the passage, especially doing this, what you're calling the spade work. And I find like just going and driving, running some errands, or go go to the gym and exercise, right. or on a, go on a hike or whatever. Let almost the work you did marinate in yes, your soul, exactly, exactly, and then come back to it. So I, I find a lot of guys they try to just knock it out in one big setting, and I I find you know taking periodical breaks 
uh, let's the study you did marinate in the soul, allows you to pray, allows you to just sit with it, and then come back to it, which leads me to application. Last thing I want us to talk about, because I have deep convictions, Jim, that you know a sermon without application, I mean, is a is a basically a running commentary. It's a mm-hmm. lecture on a text, right? And there is a form of preaching that that uh, is popular in our in our tribe. Yeah. That says, you know, you just you just preach the text and let God apply it. See, I actually think that's lazy. I'll just call it out. I think the I think any monkey can be taught how to do exegetical work, honestly. It can also the, be cowardly. The diff, the difficult heart work is the application. Right. And and the pastoral preaching comes through the application. So how do we think through applying it when we're yeah. The text so the it has to arise out of the text. If we're going to make good application, it has to arise out of the text. It can't be that we have a hobby horse of something we always want to talk about. So whether it's the latest hot button, you know, and this is why we see that, that makes you know, it an expository sermon right, in many because, cases. Yeah, so that the the thoughts, the main points. So when when you've done your spade work, what you're asking, I want to ask the question. I always want to ask. For me, I ask this question: What's the burden of this text? I had a guy ask a question a few weeks ago when I heard him preach. I thought it was really good. He said he he started asking himself, and this is a brother who's in his seventies now. But he said I started asking myself, what would be different in my faith or life if this text weren't in the Bible? Hmm. What if this book weren't in the Bible? What would be different about my Christianity if, if Ephesians wasn't in the Bible? Mm-hmm. What if Hebrews wasn't in the Bible? What if Hebrews 2 wasn't in the Bible? You know, so you're asking yourself, okay, this text is there for a reason, and it has a burden. It has a, it has a burden, and I want to arrive at that accurately through a proper understanding of its grammar, histor- historical, you know, the, and its setting, and all of that. What's the Lord saying to his people? What, what, why is that there? What, what's, what's that there for, there for, you know, what's the there for, there for, that kind of a thing. But you're also asking, what is this doing? I mean, wh- why is this here? So, re- you know, re- repeatedly, so Book of Hebrews is, hey, this is to bind your wandering heart to Jesus. This is, this is, that's what all this is about. It's what that DNA is in every text. So, so asking it, those questions and then, to then pull out the and answers And then pull from it the text. out and to yeah. say, listen, you know, so how does this apply? Look, you're not in a first century persecuted yeah. circumstances situation. You're not tempted to go back to Judaism, but you do have a heart that's wandering. You do have a heart that's drawn after other things, you know, whatever it is. Right. And tempted you, to think things are better than right, Jesus. Uh, which yeah, is kind right, of right, right. Hebrew, so, so you, you, but again, you arise that out of the text, you, you, and then you say to yourself, I want to present this text. I want to break it down in such a way. I want to illustrate it in such a way that I promote that burden yeah. and that I'm getting after not 15 things, but, but you know, maybe one primary thing that I want God's people and the unconverted to go away from, and yeah. I want to present it, and I want to illustrate it, and I want to break down the text in such a way uh, that promotes that primary burden arising out of the text. And I want to say a word about uh, pastoral preaching, where it really shows up, and not just simple, clear, exegetical work, but it's in the application of it. A pastor who's preaching to his congregation will have his people in mind as he's thinking about how to take that one idea or those two ideas from the text that you're articulating. And how it specifically is going to land on this group of people I know and love and that I've been called to to shepherd. Pastoral preaching is a totally different way of preaching and applying a text right. than versus preaching at a conference or going to a church and preaching and you don't know anybody there. So exactly. it's, a totally, it's a totally different approach exactly. to that. Exactly. Can we talk real quickly, Brian, just about breakdown and then how do you, how you go about doing it? Because I think yep. we can do this real quick. Go ahead. I think generally... 
and this is how a lot of us are trained, and you, know, you, you can ask if this you know, rises out of schools of rhetoric and whatnot. Introduction, body, conclusion. Yeah. Uh, if you were to write out, Brian, do you write out a manuscript? Do you have, and yeah. how full a manuscript do you have? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I write up, I've always write, written out a manuscript a lot of times. In the last several years, I started bullet pointing my exegetical work. Uh, but but yeah, I write out introduction, write out conclusion, write out applications. A lot of a lot okay. Of and do you carry all of that into the pulpit? I take it all in the pulpit, but it, I take it in having uh, highlighted uh, different colors, different keywords. So I feel like I'm taking a detailed outline into the pulpit, even though I have full manuscript when I walk in the pulpit. When do you print out your sermon? In regard to your preparation, is part of your preparation then to print out your sermon? You talk about color coding, maybe. I print you, it out and then mark it and up. And then you mark it yeah. up. All right. I almost never mark up my sermon. Okay. So my yeah. printing is my last thing. Okay. Uh, so that's interesting. So that would so, be so I, I I've print seen on guys, Thursday and then highlight uh, note on it on the paper yeah. on so Saturday. So guys, you know, some guys post their sermon notes sometimes just so people can see it. So like. I've seen like Mark Dever's sermon notes. I, I would if he gave me those notes and said, "Could you pre, you know preach this for me?" Yeah. I if, if I want my sermon notes are basically that if I died halfway through the sermon, somebody could come up and finish my sermon. <laughs> that's that's uh, it's, you're prepared. It, huh? I, I, you know, so okay, they're moving his body. All right, point three. Uh, you know, but you but you know that's that's how I do it, okay. and I have a fair fairly thorough uh, outline. But introduction, body. In conclusion, I, I have found sometimes that if I'm sketchy on any of those things, and if I leave anything most extemporaneous, it's the conclusion where I am hopeful that the heat of what I have been saying and bringing will carry me through with application. And that final application is almost always application to the lost. And I'll have something more general there. Mm, yeah. Um, but I, I want to know that I have thought through one of the benefits of writing it out is that it forces me to know that I, because I can be lazy sometimes I need to know that I've thought thoroughly through and that I'm not just leaving. Oh, like I, I know that well enough. Well, in the heat of the moment, you might get abandoned and because the, the uh, preaching is a spiritual art form helped and aided presently by the person and power of the Holy Spirit, if he's not felt or if, if he's left, if you, you have a feeling like he's leaving me here, I, I want to know that I have in good conscience accurately expounded the word yeah. so that if I am left just to read what I have, I'm giving God's people an accurate exegesis of a passage. Yeah, that's good. I, I have two main formats I approached mine with. So introduction, uh, exegetical work, application, conclusion. So I, I would divide those up. But the two formats is I, I would have ser- you know one or two, three sermon points. If I had a sermon <laughs> point, I would do the exposition and then the application and then go to point two. And then other times I would do all the exegetical work and then and then all the application. Right, and more I, Puritan, and it, it, and I went. It was sermon by sermon. I didn't have a, it. I would look at a past. I would look at a a text I had. Would just kind of part of preparing the sermon and creating the sermon is which format of that. But that was the two typical ways that I that I approached it as far as that. But but the the reason I would determine that is you want the application to be pulled from the text but specific for the audience that's in front of you to the best of your ability. So that's why pastoral preaching, I think, is such a strong argument for for a pastor who preaches to 30 people in his own congregation, even though all these people could go online and listen to other preachers. You're you're the only one that knows them, and you're going to preach from that place. Real quickly, Brian, 
when do you go to commentaries? And then the other question is, do you ever listen to, do you ever make, make available another person's sermon? I mean, listen to how they handled it. Like maybe you have two or three preachers. Like I want to see if Bill Hughes preached on this or yeah. if Jeremy Walker preached on this and, and go to sermon audio and, and look up the passage. Do you ever do that? And if you do, at what point of the sermon yeah. would you do that? Uh, with I, commentaries and other sermons. I did that less and less as I preached. And if I do it, it was at the end. So I always made myself pretty much write my sermon. If I needed to check a commentary on an issue that I wasn't sure about, uh, I would do that just to make sure I was on track. But I tried to do as much work on my own as right. I could, that just as a safeguard to not want to try to just use somebody else's idea. But at the end, I would check a, you know I would check a commentary, or it'd be at the end after my sermon was written that I would maybe go listen to somebody else's sermon. But that didn't happen a lot, actually. Would you? How many? How many commentaries do you feel like you need to look at? Oh. Because some people are like, well, tell me all the guys. And yeah. some guys expect that you're looking at ten or fifteen. That goes back commentaries. To, yeah, that goes back to you know, you're preaching three sermons that you you don't just get a bunch of bunch of downtime to read seven commentaries on the text. I would say, I mean. I would I average, I mean, consult maybe two or three. And I would do, my homework would be consulting the commentaries I knew were the best ones to consult. Yeah. But I didn't feel, no, I never, and I can say never, even in the early years when I was trying to learn how to preach, I never felt the need to read eight commentaries on a passage just to see what everybody else was saying. Yeah, because what you, I think, real quickly with commentaries, you think you have some that are more exegetical, technical, you have some that are more devotional and pastoral. And I think a blend of those things can, be, can be very good. But also, I did, where I did my homework was asking pe credible people I knew, hey, what's a real te good technical commentary on this? What's a good devotional you know, commentary on this? So I want almost a lot of my research would be up front to make sure I got the right commentaries right. instead of just stack, putting a stack of commentaries and I'm going to try to read them. Right. I just didn't. I just didn't have the time to to do that. I know okay. other people do that. So there's so much more we could talk about, but we're going to wrap this, Jim. So will you just simply pray for pastors as the, that as they're thinking about uh, writing, preparing their sermons, that this conversation would be helpful and God would God, God direct them in a certain yeah. way. Thanks. Our Father in heaven, everybody listening to this uh, has a desire to be faithful to the word and ministry to which you have called them. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to know you, to know your heart, to know your word, and to be able to accurately uh, and clearly open it to your people. And Father, we desire that it would be life-changing for them and life-giving for those outside of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.